I'm uh, station manager Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Jane, you ignorant slut. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 3-605.10.20.22.24.26.50.70.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.
So it may sound odd, but I believe it's a parody and an homage all wrapped up into one. That is the background of the Dragnet television show now being made into the Dragnet movie. And a lot of the aspects of the television show are used in the movie, such as the first thing we hear is the voiceover that was heard in every single Dragnet television show. This is the city. This is how the movie opens. Dan Aykroyd giving us the voiceover. After the voiceover, we cut to the opening credits that start with the traditional Dragnet theme. Bum, ba dum bum and then slowly fades into a combination Dragnet theme rap song. This is 1987, rap was at its height, and they definitely used it in this movie. At the beginning credits and also at the end credits, which I'll get to once we get to the end credits. After the opening credits, we cut to all these firemen throwing magazines into a pile. And a security card comes running out asking, what's going on, what's going on? And the quote-unquote head fireman, who we will later come to know as Emil Muzz, one of the chief henchmen of the bad guy, sets the magazines on fire, knocks out the security guard, and leaves a pagan business card. The group of bad guys in this movie are the pagans. Now we cut back to the police station where Joe Friday is coming in. He's coming into work. He sits down at his desk, and he sees that his partner, Frank Smith, going to stop here for a second. He mentions his partner, Frank Smith. Jack Webb's partner in the original Dragnet television show and the radio show was Frank Smith, played by an actor named Ben Alexander. Another wink, another nod to the original Dragnet, all the way back to the radio days. So this, this definitely is an homage because we, they are definitely giving us winks of stuff that came before. If you've never seen Dragnet before and you're watching this movie the first time as a Dan Aykroyd, Tom Hanks vehicle, you're going to enjoy it. If you are a Dragnet fan and you hear something like that, you're going to enjoy it even more. Harry Morgan comes out as Captain Bill Gannon. He's now promoted. And he has to tell Joe Friday that his partner has quit. He opened the goat farm. And Dan Aykroyd gives us his first no-nonsense speech, the speeches we heard over and over again in the television show. And at the end of his no-nonsense speech, Harry Morgan rolls his eyes. And I thought that was quite telling because in the television show, he was always with Jack Webb. And he was always listening to these speeches, and, he's, and he always went along with these speeches. Now that Dan Aykroyd, his nephew, is giving the speech, he rolls his eyes. Maybe he's tired of it at this point in his life. Maybe he's just tired of hearing all these speeches. Who knows? The reason Frank Smith has retired is now we have a reason to introduce the Tom Hanks character in the movie. We cut to Dan Aykroyd meeting Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks' character is named Pep Strebeck. And to my money, that is one of the best movie names in movie history. Pep Strebeck. I love it. Tom Hanks comes to Dan Aykroyd all disheveled because he's working undercover. Dan Aykroyd once again goes into a speech telling him he has to clean up his act. We cut to Tom Hanks now clean shaven in a suit looking very, very police worthy. And they get in the car and they drive away. And uh, during a voiceover, Dan Aykroyd refers to Tom Hanks as a hipster. A hipster? This is 1987. Being a hipster wasn't the huge deal it is now. I don't even recall remembering that word in the 80s when I was growing up, but it was used by Dan Aykroyd. So Dan Aykroyd, Joe Friday, ahead of his time. Hats off to Dan Aykroyd. He could spot a hipster 30 years before they were popular. 
The two go to the zoo. There was a report at the zoo. Some things were stolen from the zoo. They get to the zoo. And the first thing they do is argue. Dan Aykroyd says that the animals are happy being kept in captivity. And Tom Hanks was saying, how can you say that? These animals were roaming free and they were captured and brought here. This shows us the headbutting between old school and new school. Joe Friday, old school. Pep Strebeck, new school. And this is going to happen throughout the entire movie. Headbutting, headbutting, headbutting. Old and the new. What was stolen from the zoo? A lion's mane, a bat, and a giant boa constrictor. The only clues they found were these pagan cards. Once again, the pagan cards. They are now on the pagan case. And being on the pagan case, the fire at the beginning of the movie was of bait magazines. And these bait magazines were made by Jerry Caesar. Now they have to drive to Jerry Caesar's mansion in the middle of L.A. And Jerry Caesar, played by Dabney Coleman, does a very good job in this role. I enjoy him in this role. It's a Hugh Hefner character. We don't have, we have, we don't have Playboy bunnies. We have bait mates. We don't have the Playboy mansion. We have the bait mansion. Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks pull up to the, to the bait mansion. And while they're waiting to get buzzed into the, into the mansion, Dan Aykroyd makes this comment that he can't stand this blight, quote-unquote, this blight on the city in the same city where they recorded We Are the World. It ha- that has to be an inside joke because Dan Aykroyd was actually on the recording of We Are the World. Inside joke. Dan Aykroyd helped write this movie, and I can't help that he slipped that in. And if you caught it, like I caught it, little extra, little extra fun for you. They get into the mansion... Jerry Caesar tells them that all the issues of their 25th anniversary have been stolen. He wants them back. Jerry and Joe Friday go back and forth. This is, once again, an updating of the TV show because in the TV show, there were a couple episodes that dealt with with porn. And now in 1987, porn is now more widespread, more accepted by the public. Not Maybe not by Joe Friday, but by the public. And Joe Friday, it grinds his gears that he has to help find this guy's porn magazines, but he has to because he's a cop. So that gives us the conflict once again in Friday between his job and his conscience. He knows that porn is bad, but he also knows that porn is legal, and he has to help this guy find his porn. Pep Strebeck, on the other hand, does not care. He knows all the bait mates there. He knows them by name. He knows their likes. He knows their dislikes. Pep Strebeck is set up as sort of a sort of a little sex pervert in this movie. He likes the ladies and he likes the sex and he doesn't cover it up at all. So he's the exact opposite of Joe Friday who keeps his feelings and keeps his personal matters to himself. We see this because one of the bait mates hits on Joe Friday and Pep Strebeck wants to excuse himself to give them some alone time and Friday turns her down and walks out and Pep is just shocked. It's like, how could you turn her down? She wanted you. And he gives a Joe Friday speech saying that he can control his urges. And he suggests that Pep Strebeck does that too. We cut to them going out to eat. Once again, we see a old and the new. Joe Friday orders chili dogs. Pep Strebeck orders the fruit plate. The old and the new. The old cop chewing down chili dogs, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes. The new cop eating a fruit plate with chopsticks. Drinking mineral water. And while they're drinking and eating, they're police car gets stolen and this is going to come into play later so now the pagans have stolen magazines they have stolen zoo animals they have stolen chemicals and what's the next thing that they steal they steal a wedding dress but before we get to the wedding dress 
there is a small scene where we see a television playing and there's a reverend on the television talking to the police commissioner. And this is Reverend Worley. He's telling everybody that he wants to clean up the scum in L.A. And the police commissioner is just fawning all over him. A brief scene, but it sets up something later. Now back to the wedding dress. We cut to Friday and Strebeck investigating this sort of rundown apartment building. And they're greeted at the door by a Mrs. Borden. A Mrs. Borden. Mrs. Borden is played by Kathleen Freeman. And the significance of this is Kathleen Freeman played the nun in the Blues Brothers. Where Joliet, Jake, and Elwood had to go see the nun after Jake got out of jail. And they go and see the nun, and then the nun starts slapping them around because they use bad language in front of the nun. Here, it's reversed. Kathleen Freeman, the only reason this movie is PG-13 is because of Kathleen Freeman, because she just gives a profanity-laced outburst about what happened to her, what happened to her wedding dress, and what happened to Amel Muzz. It's just nice to see the turning of the tables. Dan Aykroyd was talking bad in front of her and the Blues Brothers. Now she's talking bad in front of Dan Aykroyd in Dragnet. And she mentions Emil Muzz. And Emil Muzz was the big dude at the fire at the beginning of the movie. He's the chief henchman. So now everybody knows Emil Muzz's name. She says he skipped out on rent and stole her wedding dress. And she doesn't know where he's at and she doesn't care. She threw all of his stuff away. And as they're walking out, they see a garbage truck driving by. It strikes them that she threw some of his stuff away. They chase the garbage truck down. And we cut to Friday and Strebeck going through a bunch of garbage on a table. And this scene is very, very dated for two reasons. One, they find a Polaroid in the trash. A Polaroid. Nowadays, you just take pictures on your phone. But then, a Polaroid's were still a thing. They found a picture of a Polaroid and they turn it over and there's a phone number on the back of the Polaroid. Once again, nowadays, if you see a phone number, you just pick up your phone and dial it. Back then, they did not have these. They had to find a payphone. And there are several scenes of them trying to find a payphone in L.A. All the payphones in the area are busted or being used. They finally find a payphone. After they find a payphone, they call the number and it goes to Jerry Caesar's residence they find out that Emil Muzz is Jerry Caesar's chauffeur. Now they think, okay, Emil Muzz is part of Pagan, but he's also working for Jerry Caesar. That must make him a plant because Jerry Caesar's magazines were stolen at the beginning of the movie and set fire to. They track down Emil Muzz and they get into a car chase. And in this car chase, Pep Strebeck is driving. And while they're driving, Joe Friday is just shouting at him about all the rules and all the regulations that he is breaking during this car chase. Typical car chase, boxes being knocked over, tables being knocked over, people jumping out of the way of the cars. They catch up to Emil Muzz and they bring him in for questions. Here again is the old and the new. In the old television series, the police would never do anything wrong, such as lean... Well, they would lean on a suspect, but they would never do anything to a suspect. In this movie, Tom Hanks, who's getting tired of Emil Muzz not answering questions, sends Dan Aykroyd out of the room, and while Dan Aykroyd is out of the room, he proceeds to put Emil Muzz's balls in a desk drawer and slam them shut. Once Dan Aykroyd gets back in the room, Emil Muzz is singing. He's telling him that there's a big pagan 
ritual going on tonight. He won't tell them where it is. He sends Friday out again. The drawer comes out. Now they know where the pagan ritual is going to be tonight. Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks go undercover. This part of the movie is a bit silly. Dan Aykroyd dressed up as a punk uh, and Tom Hanks dressed up as, I don't know what he was dressed up as, but this is a bit silly. This would have never happened in the original series. This was thrown in obviously for humor and it works, but it's just... It's it's just a, it's a silly it doesn't really reverberate with the tone the comedy tone of the rest of the movie. This little scene it's just a bit silly. It's fun, but it's silly. Joe Friday and Pep Streback drive to where the ritual is going to take place and they're pulled over by a cop car. And they're about to get arrested when they find out when the cops look in and say that they're pagan supporters. They see Amel Muzz's card and they mistake one of them for Amal Muzz, and they let him through. So that is why Pagan was stealing uh, police cars and cop cars. They were pretending to be police officers to keep everybody away from the Pagan ritual. They didn't want anything to go wrong with this. We get to the Pagan ritual. There's a bunch of goat leggings and goat heads, cattle prods, psychedelic drugs, which Tom Hanks takes a handful of psychedelic drugs. I don't know why he did it at the time, it's going to come into play later. I thought, oh, I guess he's just taking these for evidence. It didn't make sense to me at the time. But as the movie goes on, you'll find out that they do play a part. They're walking around the pagan ritual, and all of a sudden, this giant, the head pagan comes out, and is, he's in this giant goat's head, ram's head, and he starts talking about sacrificing a virgin. And this virgin comes out, in the wedding dress. So they put two and two together. That must have been the wedding dress that was stolen. And as the ritual goes on, they throw a lion's mane into the pit and they release a bat. So now they know that they found the wedding dress, they found the bat, they found the the lion's mane. They still haven't found the magazines and they still haven't found the snake. The ritual goes on. The, The head goat master throws the virgin into a pit. And in that pit, that is where the giant snake is. The giant boa constrictor is in there. So Joe Friday and Pep Streback dive in and start wrestling with the snake. And there's a very funny scene where all three of them, Pep Streback, Joe Friday, and the Virgin are all wrestling with the snake. They're all entwined in the snake. And Joe Friday is treating this like a traffic stop where he's asking this lady uh, questions in a very calm and a very cool manner. It's a a very nice, uh, funny scene. They're just about to be strangled by the snake when Pep Streebeck realizes he has all these drugs in his pocket. He takes all the drugs out of his pocket and shoves them down the snake's throat. The snake swallows them and the snake dies. And that's how they're able to make their escape. They run through some tunnels. They're just about at freedom when the the pagan game go, uh, starts to converge on them. Pep Streebeck pulls out a gun. He starts firing up in the air. They scatter. There's fighting. Joe Friday gets a hold of a cattle prod. He starts cattle prodding people. They make it to their stolen car, which they have found. They drive off, and they take the virgin Connie Swales. Because in the ride home, Dan Aykroyd asks her her name. She said it's Connie Swales. She says that she's a virgin. And from that point on in the movie, Dan Aykroyd, Joe Friday, refers to her as the virgin Connie Swales. They take her home, which I thought was weird. I didn't think that would be police procedure. 
It's later explained that she. It's later explained that they are going to put a policewoman on guard there to protect her. They're going to bring her downtown in the morning to look at some mugshots. I guess that's how it works. They go back to the office. They call Captain Gannon. Captain Gannon comes in. They explain what happens to Captain Gannon. Captain Gannon does not believe them, but he does go with them to where the pagan ritual was, and they bring the police commissioner with them. And once they get there, everything is gone. Everything. The stolen cars are gone. The snake pit is gone. There, there's actually no remnants that there was anything that has taken place there. The police commissioner reprimands Joe Friday, and Joe Friday gives her a little back talk, and she threatens him to make him a civilian if that happens again. And then, of course, Captain Gannon says that Friday should be more like his uncle. Maybe this is a nod to the silliness, because as he is saying this to him, he is still dressed in his undercover outfit. We cut to the next day. Connie Swales, the virgin Connie Swales, is downtown looking through mug books. She can't find anything. Joe Friday tells her that he is off the case, but she shouldn't worry because the guy who was in charge of this is probably hundreds of miles away, and they don't realize it, that it is Whirly. Because during... Okay, important plot point that I forgot to uh, give, and I'm giving it now. While they were making their escape, the Virgin Connie Swales knocked the mask off of the head pagan and, re and revealed that it was Reverend Whirly. So that's who she's looking for in the mug books, and she doesn't find him. And she doesn't know who he is, and so now we realize that Reverend Worley is the chief bad guy in this movie. Sorry I left that out before, I'm telling it to you now. After that, Joe Friday goes to pick up Pep Strebeck at his apartment, and while he's picking him up, Emil Muzz... Emil Muzz, throughout this movie, Emil Muzz keeps getting picked up by the police, and Emil Muzz keeps getting out of jail. I want Emil Muzz's lawyer, because he's able to get him out all the time. Joe Friday goes to pick up Pep Strebeck. Emil Muzz shows up and Joe knocks on Pep's door and he is with a policewoman and they're playing good cop, bad cop and she's got his handcuffs on him and like I said, Pep Strebeck is a little bit of a freak in this movie. They're walking down the stairs and right before they get into the car, the car blows up. Emil Muzz has put a, a, a pipe bomb or whatever in their car. They know that those two have gotten close and they need to eliminate them. After their car blows up, their first instinct is to get a cup of coffee. I don't know why, but that's what it was. They go to the strip club to get a cup of coffee. Well, the real reason to go to the strip bar was uh, Pep Strebeck has an informant that works there, and he needed to get some information. For now, they're working on the chemicals. They can find where the chemicals are because there's really only one lab in the city big enough to put the two chemicals together to make into the deadly fertilizer. Pep used to work on uh, in narcotics. And since they're no longer allowed to work on the pagan case, they're going to work on the stolen chemical case. And maybe the two will overlap. So there's sort of a loophole right here. I just want to say the strippers in this bar look very good for daytime strippers. Uh, I would uh, not bet that most daytime strippers look like the women in this bar. Pep gets the information. The lab that's going to turn the chemicals into fertilizer is disguised as uh, uh, a milk, a milk business, a, a place where they sell milk, a, pay, a place where they refine and sell milk. Joe Friday shows up there. He's waiting for Pep Strebeck. He's mugged by three young men. And at first, I don't think he knows that he's being mugged. 
He's a bit naive, but once they tell him to give him his wallet, he fights back and he beats the crap out of the three. And I think that was nice. That was a nice little scene to see Joe Friday kicking ass. Because you never saw that in the TV show. It was always talk in the TV show. Every once in a while, he'd pull out his gun. But there was never, ever any fisticuffs in the original. So to see Joe Friday kicking three punks' ass, it, it, does, it does your heart good to see that. Pep Strebeck shows up with all the other cops. They bust into the milk place and realize that it's just milk there. They can't find the chemicals. The bust is a bust. And as they're leaving, the people working at the milk place open up a garage door and we see this car we see this truck drive out and Emil Muzz is driving it so the chemicals were there evidently they received a tip off to hide the chemicals and now Emil Muzz is driving the chemicals away away from the milk factory Dan Aykroyd drops off Tom Hanks and says that he has plans for the night and Strebeck Tom Hanks is not invited but Tom Hanks doesn't take it that way because as Joe Friday drives away Tom Hanks who owns a motorcycle follows him on his motorcycle and we follow him to his grandmother's house, his maternal grandmother. Pep Strebeck uh, in introduces himself to his grandmother and invites himself out to dinner. Joe Friday does not like this because the main reason for this dinner was for him to introduce his maternal grandmother to the Virgin Connie Swales. Joe Friday has a date. Both Pep Strebeck and his grandmother are shocked that Joe Friday has a date. We cut to the restaurant. They're all eating. And while they're eating, Reverend Worley walks in. The Virgin Connie Swale sees Reverend Worley and freaks out, saying, that's the man, that's the man who tried to kill her. And everybody else is a bit shocked. It's like, this is Reverend Worley. He's sort of a Joel Olstein type, very, very famous religious person. You just can't slap the cuffs on him because what are the odds a religious person would do anything wrong? Am I right? Am I right? Well, Joe Friday, sensing his duty, walks into the bathroom where the Reverend has gone and gives him, reads him his rights and gives him a speech while the Reverend is on the toilet. And once he gets out of the toilet, he slaps the cuffs on him and walking out. Now, the Reverend is there with the captain and the police commissioner. They were all having dinner together. The police commissioner sees that the reverend is being arrested and tells Joe Friday to take those cuffs off of him and he is no longer a cop. And I don't understand this at all. If there is a witness saying that this person tried to kill her, maybe take everybody downtown. Maybe you don't slap the cuffs on them, but both parties are there. All these parties go downtown and they talk it out. Both parties get lawyers. But just to have the police commissioner say, let this man go... It's going to become obvious later, but at the point, at that point, it is very uh, non-procedural. Joe has to let the Reverend go. The Reverend and the police commissioner leave, and Captain Gannon removes Joe Friday's badge and gun. And at this point, Harry Morgan is playing Joe Gannon more like Sherman Potter. After Dragnet, Harry Morgan played Colonel Sherman Potter on MASH for eight years. And he is now doing, he is now more in the Sherman Potter camp than the Bill Gannon camp at this scene in the movie. He's very rough, and he's, he's very rough, and he's very gruff, and he wasn't like that in the TV show Dragnet, but he was like that in the TV show MASH. Joe has to surrender his badge and gun. Everybody's depressed at this point. Pep takes Joe's grandmother out on a ride on his motorcycle, so Joe and the Virgin Connie Swales can be alone. 
and Joe and the Virgin Connie Swales drive off to a, a remote point and start talking. Much like Sergeant Bilko, in this movie they give Joe Friday a romantic interest. And that was never something in the TV show. In the TV show, it was talked a few times that Joe had a date every once in a while, but it was never established that Joe would see anybody on a regular basis or Joe had any romantic involvements at all in the TV show. This is once again an update into the 80s introducing a romantic lead. They're just... And unlike Sergeant Bilko, where both characters in Sergeant Bilko were were con people and just lying to each other all the time, always trying to get the upper hand. These are two, Joe Friday and the Virgin Connie Swales, are nice people. They're nice, kind people who like each other. And they are a good couple in this movie. And they go in to kiss, and right before they kiss, Amo Muzz shows up again, flips their car over, and points a shotgun in their face. Now we cut to the next day, and we hear Tom Hanks giving the voiceover. The voiceover that Dan Aykroyd is usually giving, now Tom Hanks is giving it. He hasn't heard from Joe. He calls the Virgin Connie Swale's mother. She hasn't been home all night. Joe hasn't been home all night. Now he's worried. They were last seen together, and nobody's seen them in hours. We cut to the office, and... Pep Strebeck is talking to Captain Gannon saying that Joe is missing and we need to do something. And Captain Gannon actually says he doesn't care, which doesn't make sense at all. In this, in this scene, you see a picture of Harry Morgan and Jack Webb as they were in the 1960s in his office. This is the nephew of somebody who was very, very close to you and he is missing. And you say you don't care? I don't buy that. Not even, not even as a person, as a, a fellow police officer, even an ex-police officer, but a fellow police officer, a human being, somebody that was very, very close to your ex-partner is missing and you don't care? That doesn't make sense. Pep Strebeck walks out of the office and sees this uniformed officer eating a donut and the powder's falling all over his uniform and he gives him the Joe Friday. He gives him the, you know, you need to straighten up, mister, blah, 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 blah. And he does it quite well. And he actually imitates Dan Aykroyd imitating Jack Webb very, very well. Tom Hanks does a great job with that. And he slaps himself on the head when he's done because he realizes now he's turning into Joe Friday himself. We cut to Pep's desk. He's looking at the Polaroid that they found in Amel Muzz's trash. And he realizes that it is a picture from a muscle beach. Now we go to the Muscle Beach, and once again, Amel Muzz is there. Amel Muzz is everywhere in this movie. He finds Amel Muzz, he points a gun in his face and asks him, where's Joe Friday? We cut to Joe Friday and the Virgin Connie Swales being tied up in a chair, some sort of conservatory. The Reverend comes in and takes the Virgin Connie Swales away and says that he's going to kill Joe Friday. This is another one of those scenes where the the hero is tied up in a chair. All he has to do is shoot him, but he doesn't. For some reason, he unties him. He has his henchmen walk him away. Uh, I guess they wanted to make it look like an accident. They were going to roll him down a hill, but before they can do anything, Pep Strebeck shows up, and they get away from the henchmen, and they they drive away on the motorcycle, the, and... The henchmen follow him in a uh, convertible, so there's a motorcycle convertible chase, and Pep Strebeck and Joe Friday are able to elude them. They put it all together. The Reverend is going to kill the mayor. 
because the mayor is standing in his way. He wants to get the police commissioner who is on his side. We find out that the police commissioner is working with the reverend. She knows all the bad stuff that he's done. And he wants to get her as elected mayor of the of L.A. So, so he can control the porn industry in L.A. And he's teamed up with Jerry Caesar. And he has convinced Jerry Caesar that Jerry Caesar is going to produce porn and he is going to fight porn. And both of them will have the whole porn industry in L.A. in the palm of their hands. What he doesn't tell Jerry Caesar is at the party tonight, there's a party at the at Jerry Caesar's mansion, the 25th anniversary bait party. He's going to double-cross Jerry. He's not only going to kill Jerry and take a, a donation that Jerry has made, a false donation just to make it look like those two are working together against Pagan. He's going to take that money. He's going to kill Jerry. He's going to kill the mayor and then put the police commissioner in the mayor's spot so he will have whole, the whole L.A. porn industry under his thumb. Joe Friday, Pep Strebeck have figured this out. So now they're at the mansion. They're at Jerry's mansion. And right before they bust in, Pep Strebeck has to stop Joe Friday because he's no longer a cop. He's been relieved of duty. And he tells him to go home. And Joe Friday does this begrudgingly. And after he leaves, Pep Strebeck sneaks in, finds a phone, and calls Captain Gannon and tells him that they've... He's found Pagan. They're at Jerry Caesar's palace. They're going to kill everybody in there. Get the SWAT team there. And as now we cut to Joe Friday driving home, and we see all the cop cars converging on on Jerry Caesar's mansion. And when he sees this, he just you see a determined look in his eyes. And then we cut away, and the police show up, and there's a huge gunfight between the Pagans and the police. Pagans and the police. Huge gunfight until. The police tank shows up again. And I don't know where the police tank came from. We didn't see the police tank being driven up. We didn't see any trucks holding the police tank. Anyway, this police tank comes out of nowhere, busts through the gate, and guess who's driving? That's right, Joe Friday. He's driving this police tank. And during the scuffle, Emil Muzz again gets Pep Strebeck on the ground and is about to shoot him with a rifle when Joe Friday shows up and tells him, you idiot, Muzz, you're messing with my partner. And that's a nice touching moment. Joe Friday finally accepts Pep Strebeck as an equal and as his partner. And I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it now. The chemistry between Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd in this movie is great. They go at each other. Uh, the, the ribbing is great. Tom Hanks is always ribbing Joe Friday. Joe never really gives into the ribbing, but just tells Pep Strebeck how it is. It's a very, very nice relationship between Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. They play this movie very, very well together. They realize that the Reverend has left with the Virgin Connie Swales, and he's going to fly off to Mexico in his private plane with her. And they go to stop him. But before they do, the captain shows up and tells Pep that, you know what, you can't take a civilian on the road with you. So he gives Joe Friday his badge back. He didn't turn it in. He gives it back. And now they're going to go after. Now it's Friday and Strebeck. They're going after the Reverend. They're going to get the Virgin Connie Swales back. Pep says he's going to drive. And Friday says, uh-uh, I'm going to drive. And Friday gets behind the wheel and just hauls ass to the airport. And this is sort of a reverse of the scene we saw earlier where Pep Strebeck was driving like a maniac. Now Joe Friday is driving like a maniac. And this is another comparison to the Blues Brothers movie 
where Dan Aykroyd was driving a beat-up old police car over hills and through medians and across traffic. Well, he's doing this now with another police car. So, to me, that's another nod to the Blues Brothers, Dan Aykroyd driving a police car like a wild man. They get to the airport, and they just miss the Reverend. The Reverend is gone. He's flown away with the Virgin Connie Swales to Mexico. We cut to the Reverend flying. He's in the air with the Virgin Connie Swales. And then all of a sudden we see this plane pull up next to him and it's a police plane. And Joe Friday holds up a flashing light and tells him to pull over. Gives him the pull over motion. And this part I don't understand. When they took off from the airport, it was night. And now it's daytime. But when they land, they're still in L.A. That just doesn't make time sense. You don't fly all through the night and you're still in L.A. You fly all through the night and you're already in Mexico. I mean, unless they followed him to Mexico and told him to turn back. But once he's in Mexico, he can land in Mexico. Um, The time frame with that doesn't work well. But that's what happens. The Reverend lands in L.A. He's arrested. Joe is reunited with the Virgin Connie Swales. And they're just about to kiss. And Pep Strebeck just steps in and stops him from kissing. And the thing is... Joe Friday and the Virgin Connie Swales never kiss in this movie. They get close a couple times, but they never do. So they keep their relationship, I guess, as pure as possible on screen, even where there is no kissing. We cut to the next day. Pep Strebeck shows up in front of the the, uh, uh, police headquarters on the back of a female police officer's motorbike. He says he has to see her later because he's wearing her underwear. Once again, he's a little freak. Joe Friday and Pep Strebeck walk up the steps to their office. And Joe informs Pep that he spent the night with Connie Swales. And Pep says, don't you mean the virgin Connie Swales? And Jay and Heckeroy, Joe Friday just gives him a look. And that's the end of the movie. And at the end of the movie, we go right into the song City of Crime. And this is where Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks are doing their own singing and their own rapping, where they're rapping over the end credits. And it's a cool song. I like it. And that's Dragnet. And what do I have to say about Dragnet? Dragnet is a very, very fun movie. I would highly recommend this movie. I've said it before. Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks work well together. You get the nice uh, character actors. Harry Morgan, Christopher Plummer, Kathleen Freeman. All, all very nice character actors doing a great job uh, keeping this movie going. Uh, This movie flows well. There's only a couple of small points, but for the most part... The, the movie flows flows very, very well. It's a nice combination of humor and action. They do a great job with the material. So if you're looking for a fun time, a, a fun movie where the two lead actors are having fun with each other, I would recommend this movie. And now, what about Dan Aykroyd's performance? He nails it. He nails this performance. He nails the Joe Friday character. As I said before, he's not doing an imitation of Jack Webb. He's doing his own version of Joe Friday. And he pulls it off. He treats it with respect, and he treats it with fun, and you can see that. You can see he's having fun with this character, but you can see he's not making fun of this character. He may be making fun of the things that the character held in view uh, years ago, but the character itself, uh, very respectable, very fun. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, who helped co-write this movie as well, does a fantastic job in this movie. You're looking for a good time, you're looking for a fun time, uh, a movie a movie that's going to make you smile when you're done watching it, I can't recommend Dragnet more. 
And that's it. That's the end of this episode of the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, you can support me on my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Scott White. Please visit my website, scottyblanco.com. It'll take you to all the projects I'm working on right now. And if you want to support any of my projects, you can support them on my Patreon page. You can support this podcast right by going to Anchor and uh, donating money with that. And that's about it. So, once again, this has been the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed giving it to you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.